Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the 6 Yards podcast. Yet another game week with unexpected results, a fair share of controversies and some penalty misses. 9 games into the season, there is something all teams uh, have in common, a lack of consistency you can call it. It's like they're trying to mock our punditry by shattering the concept of form guide. As always, I have uh, Obro, Supreet, Sushant, Shyan, Manan and Naveen joining us in today's episode. But before we start, kick start, here's a roundup of the activities last week. Arsenal thrashed at home by a resurgent Villa. United bounced back to continue a 100% away record against an insipid Everton side. New boy ZH starts as Chelsea win convincingly against a hapless Sheffield United side. Kane saves the blushes for Spurs as they pull off another late winner yet again. And City and Poole share the spoils at the Etihad. But Liverpool come off worse with star right-back Alexander-Arnold injured. First up, let's start with uh, the game of the weekend. Um, Supreet, uh, welcome mate. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're still reeling from the Arsenal shock defeat. You know, Just after discussing the impressive defensive record in the last episode. You think you jinxed it? No, I, I think I did. You must be smoking behind that... Uh... Recorder, right? Oh, more than smoking, man. Yeah, I think I jinxed it. Uh, it, I think it goes to show that you know football. There's no, uh, there's no prisoners, and you know I think Arsenal just just got done by a much better Villa side. Right, uh, but you know, let's 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 get to the uh, topic first. I mean, it was evident that the side lacked creativity throughout the game. Um, Arteta substituted, uh, you know. Part A for Sebayos at halftime, but that didn't seem to make an awful lot of difference. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that, and how do you uh, see Arsenal play out these situations in the future? I think we've lacked creativity in all of the games this season, um, apart from the one against Fulham, um, and that was against a newly promoted side first day of the season. So, I think we had an easy win there, but since then. We've just narrowly beaten West Ham and Sheffield United at home. Um, we've lost to. We already lost four games this season, right? And uh, yeah. we just, we just, I, I, even against United, we didn't create too many chances. I think we, we kind of lucked out with getting a penalty, and we scored that. Mm-hmm. Even against Aston Villa, I mean, there were absolutely no chances that I can think of. The only uh, chance that was a really good one was the Lacazette header, the the cross from Tierney on the left. Uh, yeah, even when Tobias yeah. came on, his his best moment seemed to be, you know, when he cleared the line of uh, when when he cleared off the line from I think uh, Ross Barkley, right? That would have probably been four nil. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it just goes to show, you know, that there is you know, a, a, you know, serious dearth of uh, creativity in midfield. Uh, we kind of stuck to the same squad that Arteta started at United. And, and deservedly so. I think the, the same team, I think they put on a, a, you know, a solid performance at Old Trafford and I think all of them deserve to start. But yeah. I think the manager needs to be a little more pragmatic. Uh, he needs to understand that home games, there's, there's a difference between home games against weaker teams and away games at uh, much more tougher opposition. The way you set up also needs to change. We should have probably gone up with, you know, mixed and matched a little, a little bit, probably started with Pepe up front rather than uh, Villian, who was flat. I think yeah. overnight, I, I read a stat somewhere that said said that 90% of his passes were 
in fact uh, you know backward passes and 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 not forward yeah. passes and that kind of shows how how stifled we were and you know how flat our players were as well right mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. how how arsenal will play these few you know these situations in the future i'm not entirely sure because you know we we don't have that creative outlet right now we're going to have to rely on sebayos uh, from midfield uh, you know mm-hmm. making a defense splitting pass once in once in a while uh, yeah. hopefully a change in system where obamian plays through the center rather than on the left where you know he's being stifled have yeah. saka and pepe maybe play a little more up front to give them some more room to create opportunities mm-hmm. but at the moment it, it kind of seems bleak right because none of these are actually outright uh, you know midfield creators so to say yeah so i think yeah. we'll have to just wait out till january and see if you know if if we have funds or if, if we can make another uh, creative signing you know to kind of bolster that midfield but right now it looks very flat it looks uninspiring at the moment i mean i thought we were well defensively well set up but that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be the case right we just got blown away by aston villa so um yeah so doesn't look too good right now yeah yeah i mean january in footballing terms is still far off right considering the amount of games that there's left to play um uh, don't you, do you think arsenal uh, the board uh, in particular and arteta should bury the hatchet with ozil and because he's exactly what uh, you guys are missing right now or probably you know I, i'm still surprised why uh, joey willock hasn't been given more chances in the premier league uh, he's had some man of the match performance displays right um, so why not give him a couple of more chances and try yeah that's what i was hoping for i was actually hoping willock would start because it's a home game and we need a little more creativity he played really well against molde in the europa league he scored uh two yeah. goals and he also provided an assist he was he was kind of making a lot of things happen in the midfield in that match uh in terms of burying the hatchet with ozil i i mean i can go on talking about it but i don't think that's going to happen it seems like communication yeah. or relations between the club and player have completely broken down and for multiple reasons right um mm-hmm. you could call it political agenda or yeah uh, you know ozil putting out that post and arsenal maybe not backing him uh, ozil not taking right. the pay cut Uh, when the club asked yeah. him to, I, I mean, it became a PR shitstorm when he said, you know, he's going to sponsor the salary of Ganesaurus, and also the fact that you know we we his 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 contract requires us to, you know, Arsenal to play pay him a performance or a uh, or a appearance bonus, right? I think mm-hmm. given all of this and given the fact that Arteta really doesn't see him in the system, you know, he needs someone who can run around for 90 minutes, put in tackles. put in a proper shift rather than you know drift in and out of games i think yeah. it just makes sense you know for ozil to start looking for new clubs in january which is when he can sign up you know a pre contract agreement and mm-hmm. just end it end it with the club uh, yeah. i do think joe joe willock is has a has a big future at the club uh, so does reese nelson uh, I, i i i do feel we should give joe willock more chances and maybe yeah. um uh, you know even if he play a three in midfield i think he should be one mm. of the three midfielders uh I, i i you know the the kind of formation that i i kind of think will work is obamyang in the middle and saka and pepe on the flanks mm-hmm. and the midfield of elneny party and willock uh, obviously yeah. interchanging with sebayos and jaka uh, depending on fitness and and freshness of for the match um, yeah. yeah yeah i think there are a few options there but 
overall i'm not I'm, i i don't think how convincing these options are to mikel arteta in the in the premier league right so yeah yeah i mean it is what it is at the moment right uh, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum for arteta because uh, he he will not want to you know sort of scapegoat uh party you know like he did yeah. because uh, he sh- he shouldn't he shouldn't be the player who needs to come off and be sacrificed i think that he's very well knows it but uh he should probably come out, come out with a solution that doesn't involve this particular exchange from what i heard it it was a, a knock that he picked up if if it was tactical then i'll be surprised yeah, uh, yeah. i i mean from what i've heard i think it was a niggling knock that he picked up during the first half which is why he had to make the okay. half time change i don't think it was a tactical change mm. but it was i mean um we wouldn't have had any defensive cover uh, yeah. if uh, you know if he had bought on sebios and and that is exactly what happened right mm. yeah yeah was, uh, you know kind of smothered us in the second half especially jack grealish down the left uh, down our right rather and uh, ross mm. bakri who, who i think uh, was uh, Andres Iniesta in a costume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um so moving on um to something more interesting. I think this is something that uh Arsenal fans will start talking about in a in a game week to uh, in a game or uh two games later. But you know, Lacazette hasn't scored since September. Uh Arteta was public uh you know in sort of demanding more goals from him. Uh I, Eddie Nketiah, he replaced him in the uh, uh, in the game. Do you do you see that happening uh, more often going forward? If you ask me, who's a better striker, Lacazette or Nketiah? I would say Lacazette. Um, Nketiah really doesn't offer that much, apart from you know being in the right uh, place at the right time. And given our creativity issues, I I don't think that's even going to matter. Uh, so, mm. <laughs> um, what Lacazette does. i mean rather what lacazette is expected to do is drop off a little bit and give more space to the forwards to create chances and he's kind of struggled to do that as well right he's he's just not yeah. in the right form at the moment he scored three goals in the first three or four games of the season and then yeah. he's petered out it looks like you know centrally we we don't i i don't think it's a right position for him at, with this particular formation at least um we should i think we should just stick you know we have a world class center forward in obamyang and we should just stick to playing him down the center and you know just yeah. not you know dilly dally with lacazette because every match is critical now you, you need to play your best team yeah. probably lacazette would be a good option when you want to tire teams down and it's already the 70th 75th minute that's when he can be right. a battering ram and kind of put defenders under pressure but right from the word go i i don't think he's the best Uh, option uh, you know where who, who you want your best chances in the match to fall to yeah yeah makes sense all right um so obviously there has been a stark contrast in the performances from uh, both the teams uh, you know um, we you, arsenal were expected to uh, you know beat villa uh, these guys struggled in the last two games um but you know it's it was the other it was the other way arsenal was sluggish and sort of outclassed in almost every department um and also this is not something that is uh, you know uh, restricted to one team i think this is a trend that is catching up with almost all the teams this season so you know how, how does arteta bring in that consistency in the players performance that's a good question especially at this juncture when we've 
and we've kind of balanced everything out and you know lost a fourth game to equal our four wins uh, and even our goal score i mean even even our goal difference in the moment is minus 1 we should have probably stopped after conceding two um yeah. but on a serious note in terms of consistency i think uh it's it's more it's not only really got to do with the manager i think uh and the in the post match interview mikel to call of the uh blame and said it was completely on him but i think the players also need to step up uh, there's all there also needs to be some sort of in game management which i mean uh, to some extent i think mikel also stifles that because given given there are no crowds right now it kind of makes him easier to put his message across yeah. and uh, probably manage the game minute to minute and man to man but i think yeah. there also needs to be some accountability for players we should we should drop players who are not performing uh, you know players like villian yeah. and um and and lacazette i'm pretty sure manan is smiling right now because he kind of mentioned that villian performs once in eight eight or nine games so i, I really hope he has a hat trick coming up against leeds in the next match um yeah so i mean i think the option is you know just drop players who are not performing in games um lacazette and obamyang have a great chemistry off the pitch but not on it uh, we need someone who can yeah. click with the with the forward uh, even if it is Pepe, I think uh, play start him a few games, let him make a few mistakes. At least he'll give that sort of spark up front, trouble the defenders. Yeah. Uh, you know, something needs to change. Uh, at least for home games, we should stop being so structured and you know just let the football flow uh, and yeah. not you know overthink and not uh, you know rather rather not have a proper structure to our play and kind of let uh, you know the you know the football just flow in from the midfield. Uh, in terms of consistency i think it it also has got to do with uh, you know team selection uh, and kind of changing around a few things i i would have actually liked if jaka had started because mm-hmm. he kind of plays a lot of long balls he can he would have probably gelled a little bit better than party in this particular match compared to elen yeah. who's who's more of a box to box ground passer compared to jaka Yeah. so i think making the right selections in the in in key games uh, as well is is a big factor to getting more consistent performances um mm-hmm. you know, for the rest of the season yeah yeah true i mean <laughs> on on the uh, pepe bit i think it will be more than just a few mistakes i i really hope it is uh, but yeah I, i think manan's been smiling an awful lot and let's hope that it comes to an end soon enough um so one last question to you supreet before uh, we move on uh, on a lighter note but uh, emi martinez's comments over the weekend that uh, you know his move to villa is an upgrade uh, it was cheeky but do you think that is just for the trolls i, I think it is definitely upgrade for him considering he is now the first choice goalkeeper for a premier league club and and for, from a career perspective i think it makes a lot of sense for him he's he's also been called up to the national side so i yeah. think i think he meant it in that sense rather than saying that you know aston villa is a bigger club which they are not um but yeah i think it was more tongue in cheek rather than uh, anything yeah. serious yeah all right supreet thanks for your inputs uh moving on uh we go to a man whose wish from the last episode uh, to speak when united win seems to have finally been fulfilled welcome sushant Hi KV how are you All good man So uh two goals and an assist with no penalty inside for Bruno 
he was i mean he was industrious he was intelligent uh, and he continues to be the vital cog of the team you know thoughts on his display because for me it is one of the best i've seen in this season so far so yeah i think uh, there was uh, there was a there was a fun element there when he when uh, we when everyone assumed that uh, rashford scored that uh, at goal uh, there was uh, there was a fun moment where someone on twitter tweeted like uh, scored bruno assisted bruno right so um, a lot of the time since uh, bruno has joined it has it has seemed like that in attack at least uh, and i think uh, yeah uh, even i it was a it was a fun fun stat to look at after the match where um, came across that even in non penalty goals he's leading in terms of premier league midfielders right since his debut mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah it was a really good performance from him uh, he's he's been since at least uh, since he's joined in fact he's been speaking like a leader he's been performing like one and um, his signing at least has has shown the value of you know how important transfers are uh, to a club especially one which is looking to climb up the ranks and i think uh, He's been a key key factor in Ole Ole still having his job, so yeah. so so yeah. So I'm really happy with the performance. Uh, overall, team wise, uh, wouldn't uh, wouldn't say so, but yeah, uh, Bruno uh, Bruno's performance did did stand out there. It was helped mm-hmm. by the fact that uh, Everton seemed to be I don't know why lumbering uh, through the match. Yeah. Um, it felt like they were the ones who played the champions league match and we were coming off of um, for we one week break in the first half at least yeah, so yeah. it was it was a strange performance from them um, i guess it's um, it's all it's just them coming back down to you know a uh, more more of an expected level you can say uh, they mm-hmm. i think they've now gone on a three match losing run which is something which yeah. doesn't happen with carlo ancelotti a lot uh, yeah. ole ole lives to fight another day um let's see what happens i uh, overall the performance i think in the second half uh, united were tired uh, i think uh, ole spoke about it post match as well uh, with regards to how the fixture setup has been done and then it it was really it was really uh, a really i would say a performance that uh, wasn't uh, attractive but it was effective Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. especially when you're coming back from a champions league match and that is something the team will eventually you know will have to uh, learn it some of them here uh, some of them at the club uh, especially harry maguire uh, van bissaka and even bruno mm-hmm. fernandes they're not used, they're not used to a lot of uh, midweek games and the weekend games and that's something that you will the club as a whole will have to get used to because that's what you do when when you're a champions league club yeah. so you have to play the week on the weekday and then you come back on the weekend and you go again so so yeah so i think that was a good um, the result was good uh, the performance mm-hmm. can still be better but yeah currently uh, i think the results do matter more uh, more than the performance itself so yeah yeah true all right um while we stay on the subject uh, do you think he was fortunate to not have seen a red so so the game i think other the, uh, like the game itself uh, they, they, yeah, it was almost like uh, like uh, like a pan when you're frying something right because uh, there always seem to be this this slight spark uh, in the game uh, in different different moments uh, there were tackles on both ends uh, where you look you where you felt like oh this now this game is just going to go up another level and you know they're going to start there's going to be probably a fist fight or two because i think bruno and coleman seem to have it uh, going on uh, till the end of the game and it did look like uh, everyone was on an edge and um, even i i even felt that uh, bruno should have been you know taken off uh, i was worried about it that yeah. you know if 
because bruno does seem to be a more of a passionate uh, player with a heart on his sleeve kind of thing and it's easy to yeah. um, to get that done but uh, i think uh, Mag- I, i was more worried about the maguire tackle when that happened in the mm-hmm. penalty box Yeah. Uh, but yeah i don't think so i think the referee handled overall everything pretty well and uh, while there were a lot of tackles uh, and you know he, he kept came going he kept talking to the players he did show some yellow cards but yeah i don't think so there was a, any any red card as such that beat for bruno or during the game that that should have been punished mm-hmm. yeah and uh, like you mentioned you know the passion from bruno i think that is what that is exactly what united need at this moment being on the pitch or off the pitch i think uh, that will sort of uh, build the momentum for them and yeah, I, probably help ole's case yeah i think uh, that has been something that you know i it's uh, i i i have seen that the media has not started using it as an excuse to you know uh, push others down as well uh, they did that with lindelof uh, when they saw yeah. bruno you know uh, uh, do, shouting at him during the match last season i think it happened uh, between in spurs it spurs as well last season when you had son fighting right i think it was son mm-hmm. and loris who were fighting right Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I think I, I, and I think now they've been doing the same thing with Bruno as well, where they're just using all. So I, I did an art uh, piece, uh, I think by the Times, where they said that Bruno got exasperated in training uh, with Greenwood, right? So I think, uh, I think it's important yeah. uh, what Bruno is bringing to the squad because I think that's something that uh, fans would say they're lacking from players uh, for a long time. And uh, I think mm-hmm. other than Bruno itself, I think I also want to highlight that uh, Maguire had a really good game. and especially in the uh, in the final goal right everyone uh, was very happy and we i think we'll talk about kavani as well but uh, it was yeah. uh, maguire's interception uh, at the at the on on the field right he stepped up he pu- pushed up and he took the ball off uh, of of uh, the everton player and that started the whole uh, counter attack for the final goal so yeah. and overall as well right he was, he was clearing everything uh, that was coming near him So, yeah, so I think that was also a good performance from him, uh, along with Bruno, and those two really yeah. stood up uh, when it mattered. Uh, so yeah, so really happy with that overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when you look at this, uh, you know, it's three wins on the road now. You know, I think that's a good record to have. Uh, but what caught my eye was that Pogba started on the bench. Do you think that was a big call from Ole? And also, what did you make of the you know midfield partnership of Fred and McTominay? So yeah, so I think uh, Pogba on the bench just because of uh, who he is is always going to be, you know, assumed to be a big call. Like, uh, will be understood if you put him on the bench, right? But uh, if you do look at the performances, I think it was a more of a, a good tactical decision by a manager, right? Uh, we've yeah. seen that uh, while the Fred and McTominay partnership doesn't really provide you with any sort of creativity, it does provide uh, the defense a shield, right? now the yeah. the main issue here where you can't have uh, pogba and bruno on the same pitch is primarily because our defense is not really uh, great when it's exposed to a lot of attack uh, what i mean by that is that they're not really good 1v1 defending right lindelof can be gotten at uh, van bissaka if you put two two players uh, on him uh, attacking him then you can get you can get something out of there harry maguire is slow right so again this yeah. so it becomes then it becomes all the more important that you have Fred and McTominay two people who are who really covers a lot of space on that pitch right and uh, provide that defense a shield uh, with two players other than having one of them only and i think fred has really improved uh, since he joined i think uh, one of the few, yeah. few players i think other than bruno who i would say in the last 2 3 years have come to united and has actually improved 
and not no even though even though i would say the the, the way he started uh, was not really a high base to you know improve upon uh, yeah. but yeah uh, at least in the defensive part of the game he's really made himself um, i would say an important cog in ole's team and because ole doesn't look like uh, moving away from the 4231 i think uh, those two are doing a good job and uh, ole will keep uh, will probably find that this is probably his best uh, most favored 11 i wouldn't say the best 11 his yeah, most favored yeah. 11 right now uh, where he has mata and bruno linking up in the attack and rashford and uh, marshall or cavani or whoever's in uh, in a striker role uh, you know looking to get the goals and everyone else is you know defending and uh, keeping things clean because uh, at the end of the day the problem with fred and mcdomney is that uh, what they bring off the ball uh, they lose as much off we lose as much on the ball right especially mm-hmm. with fred i think half the time he when he gets the ball he realizes oh i i didn't go i didn't learn this aspect of what am i supposed to do after this <laughs> so so yeah so with pogba i think um, i don't know if it's bad form if he doesn't want to be here uh, uh, or you know Uh, what is it but yeah ole should uh, he should be on the bench till he again uh, he did come off uh, on the on the bench a few more matches after the international break where he was doing well then he mm-hmm. then he got a call up into the first team he started the game and then he he didn't deliver right so i think it was the right call to keep him on the bench uh, the advantage for ole this season is especially with pogba is that there are so many games uh, this season uh, i think if uh, if we if we do look at it uh, after the international break uh, some uh six seven weeks united are playing uh, a game every every uh, almost every three days right yeah so yeah. i think he can get away with at least this season he can get away with this rotation uh, mm-hmm. a bit because there will always be a game for pogba to play now yeah. because it's not like you can bench for the whole season right and you can't keep playing bruno fred and mcdomney every game every three days they are there's bound to be a burnout at some stage so he will rotate he'll play van de beek he'll play pogba Pogba seems to be playing a lot on the left wing sort of role I think uh, where in the diamond as well also he keeps drifting to the left wing and even the last game when he came on from the bench he was again on the left wing and Cavani on, on the in the center and uh, Rashford on the right so so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, look of how we'll use Pogba but I don't uh, I don't think so uh, putting him on the bench was the wrong call and mm-hmm. It's always great to have a player of Pogba's pedigree on the bench to call upon. So, no, yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think fair play to Ole. I mean, uh, in the current situation that he is in, uh, last thing he wants is a just you know a, a, a spoiled relationship with uh, one of the most influential players in the yeah. dressing room. Yeah. So I don't think so. Relationship would be an issue between uh, these two because I don't think uh, Ole will you know. come out and attack so he ole doesn't even even if we've heard all the things we've heard about like let's say greenwood right ole still come on, coming out and saying that he's sick mm-hmm. or he's, he's making excuses for not playing him but he's not giving he may, okay we don't know if what uh, the news regarding greenwood is true or not but it could possibly be and ole is still protecting him right so i think the same yeah. case with pogba he, or any other player for that matter ole is never going to come out into the media and he's going to make he's going to call out a player saying he's bad or he's a bad influence or anything he's just going to keep it in house and i think that's yeah. what he likes to do and i think that as far as as long as he does that he's not going to lose the dressing room so yeah. i i don't yeah. think so that's going to happen with pogba as well if pogba wants to leave i think he leave uh, in the summer and it will be done uh, with uh, with a sort of a there you go bye bye see you we move on <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, sure. Um, so now mo- moving on to uh, you know Edinson, Edinson Cavani, he's finally opened his uh, account, uh, and, and he's by the way he has more he has scored more goals and has more <laughs> shots on target in fifty five minutes than Marshall has this season. I know Marshall gets a lot of uh, you know a lot of blame, but uh, do you do you see Cavani starting ahead of the Frenchman from the next game? I don't. I don't think he will. Uh, the Premier League. I don't think so. He will start initially. Now, if if this run keeps going, probably. But I don't think this run will will go on for long. Uh, Marshall has uh, scored in the Champions League uh, twice. So I don't. I I I know he's going through a rut in the Premier League right now. And um, majority of the of the games, uh, apart from the Everton game, uh, was were of course pre uh, international break when the whole team was you know uh, had had. Had gone to I don't know where they were playing, uh, but uh, they were no, they were nowhere to be seen. Uh, I think Marshall does bring uh, there are some aspects of his game that which help us a lot. Uh, yeah. Even against Everton, there were times when he would hold up the ball and you know let other other tackles come in and join, and then uh, that did help. Uh, there was uh, even for the second goal that Bruno scored, uh, yeah. Marshall dropped off. I wasn't talked about much, but Marshall did drop off, and uh, that. Led to the the second the left uh, centre back on the left uh, uh, drop with Marshall and that did eventually open up the space between the two centre backs where Rashford yeah. almost touched it and of course then Bruno scored so that doesn't that doesn't count in there but yeah so I think uh, but he was he was slow off the tracks in the second half I think first half he was too uh, he was over excited at the first at the kick off where he where he where he did a mane uh, mm-hmm. running ahead uh, when 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 he had to take a knee. Uh, Kavani, I think, uh, has been signed to challenge Marshall, and I think he will. Uh, but I don't think mm-hmm. so. He'll be, he'll always, he'll be the first choice always. Uh, but yeah. because, uh, as we spoke about with, uh, with with midfield, right, and the number of games being uh, played, we will require Kavani to start uh, games uh, as well. So, be it like, let's say, there's an Istanbul game coming up in the Champions League uh, at home, which is going to be a must-win now. Uh, maybe yeah. Kavani starts that one, and you know Marshall's on the bench. Or there could be games where we've uh, there is some doubt with regards to Rashford as well right now. So Marshall can move to the left, and Kavani can start from the center. Mm-hmm. And so it does bring upon all kind of opportunities. I think uh, Marshall does need to find his scoring boots fast uh, yeah. because it's really important. And I think uh, we've seen with him in the past as well when he starts. When he scores one and he gets that confidence, then he he's a sort of a confidence player. Where he, if he scores one, then he'll he'll go on this really good run of um, score goal scoring, right? And mm-hmm. last season he did he was the top scorer for uh, United. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, I think he'll 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 uh, Cavani will play some games uh, ahead of the Frenchman, but I don't think so. He'll be the he'll be the first choice number nine uh, across the season. Right. right. Interesting thoughts, Sushant. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next up is a team that is starting to gel. Um, it pains me to say, but they look quite capable of you know challenging for the trophy. Uh, welcome, Manan. How do you feel at this moment? Hi, KV. Uh, it's all good, man. Uh, we are in a good place right now, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you and I have been having these conversations offline and I've been telling you that, you know, this is the signing of the season and potentially could hurt, hurt us most. I mean, I, I might be jumping the gun here, but I still feel that, uh, you know, he's beautifully placed, uh, you know, in the Premier League. 
and see, he seems to have slotted in perfectly. Uh, what what are your thoughts on ZX performance? Uh, like you mentioned, Karthik, uh, he he's been fantastic. He's he's uh, out of all the signings that we made, uh, I've been looking forward to see him play. And and what's so good about it is that we've not even seen the full strength uh, attack of Chelsea, uh, you know, in Werner, Pulisic, Havertz, and uh, Ziyech. But yeah. uh, I've been thoroughly impressed with him, and and from what I've heard, uh, Frank has also been looking forward to uh, you know seeing Ziyech more and more often in the team. Uh, I guess Rio uh, uh, or someone said in the media recently that you know Frank has been raving about uh, Ziyech's capabilities on the ball, and and you can see why now. He's been absolutely yeah. phenomenal uh, uh, whenever he started uh, for the club, which is around four games now. He scored, assisted, and and he's someone who can uh, you know create chances out of nothing, and and someone who can unlock uh, deep defenses. So I think yeah. it's been uh, it's been a very astute acquisition, and for the price yeah. that we've paid, he looks already like a brilliant signing to me. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, uh, considering the fact that you know uh, Chelsea have been actually looking for that one uh, Eden Hazard type player who can actually go on on his own and sort of unlock any particular defense, especially the sturdy defenses that we have in Premier League. So I think that that that's where um, he's going to do wonders. I feel. Yeah. In fact, uh, I I would go so far to say that uh, Chelsea went ahead and replaced Hazard and Fabregas in one because of the passing ability and and the ability to unlock defenses, like you correctly mentioned. So, we've not had someone uh, as talented as these two guys and I'm I'm so happy that we have him uh, in our team rather than the opposition. Yeah, but I I don't understand why this uh, comes as a surprise to a lot of people. In fact, you know, uh, yeah, he's not young, he's still, uh, he's 28, isn't he? Uh, but but his performances for Ajax were stunning, uh, especially for those who have been watching this Champions League. I think it was very evident that he's got quality, and I'm surprised that uh, you know not a lot of teams uh, you know went for him. But yeah, I think I think it's it's a very astute acquisition for Chelsea, like you mentioned. Indeed, and I think uh, Supreet will be biting you know his nails at it. Uh, that Arsenal were really interested in signing him. Uh, I, I guess last season, uh, from what I know, Ziyech has been a fan of Arsenal and Barcelona from his previous interviews, is what he mentioned. So yeah, indeed, it was a bit uh, surprising as to why no one really bid for him. Uh, just a slight direction, he's 27, so he's still got some time. And uh, yeah, for sure, I think um, it, it's indeed uh, that there's this notion of uh, you know among football fans that the other leagues are not as strong as the top five in Europe, which is a misnomer in my opinion because a lot of talents come out of the leagues such as the Eredivisie and uh, uh, the Portuguese league as well. So I, I guess that's a false notion, but yeah, it's been a brilliant signing for uh, Chelsea. True. Um, just a clarification, Supreet would be biting his nails anyway, irrespective of this. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Uh, okay, but anyway, I think I think another observation that I had uh, was that, you know, Chelsea are starting to get stronger in set pieces now, you know, both in terms of defending and scoring from them. Uh, Zuma's got a brace already and Silva just scored against Sheffield. Um, you know, I, I think with Ziyech coming in, again, we're bringing in this man of the moment. 
uh, his inch perfect deliveries will this prove to be a weapon to close out games especially uh, obviously we spoke about his potential to unlock defenses but in case that doesn't work uh, do you think chelsea are better placed with the set pieces now uh, absolutely and and most of the credit goes to anthony barry who we i've mentioned in my previous uh, discussions in this uh, episodes uh, that he, he's someone who we got to coach the defensive aspect of it so a lot of credit goes to him as well uh chelsea have not like you said not only improved in defending set pieces but we've got really good at attacking them and it's not just uh, down to zek i think uh, we've got to bring in the likes of reese james who's got a mean cross in him so even he can take uh, corners yeah. and uh, set uh, free kicks so i guess uh, yeah. there is the, the best part about all of this is that i'm i'm incredibly excited that you know we don't rely on a single superstar anymore uh the threat mm-hmm. comes from all directions uh, we have 14 different scorers already this season uh 10 contrib- goal contributions directly from defense so again a small credit to ben chilwell as well who has been uh, very yeah. good we, he's not talked about enough as a signing while mm-hmm. all the others take a lot of limelight so i think he has been fantastic as well and yeah yeah so it's 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 all good to see everything coming together and and like i again so like i've already mentioned in previous episodes that lampard needs to settle down on a formation and settle down on a certain 11 so you're already seeing the benefits of it uh, we've virtually named on changed 11s in the champions league and uh, the premier league and you're already starting to see that uh, the defense is coming together the attack is coming together so it, it, we are in a good place right now but again so i'm not getting ahead of myself uh, anyway Uh, but yeah. yeah. Now, interesting. You mentioned that because uh, you know, let's say once Kai Havertz comes into the team, okay, playing on the uh, playing on the right of a midfield is not an option anymore, right? Uh, you would actually see Ziyech and probably even James, you know, bursting forward on that right wing. Where, where does Havertz sit in this particular uh, Chelsea's midfield? I would, I would, I would say if uh, 4-3-3 is the way to go, like I've already uh, al- al- always uh, maintained. and i think he will start alongside mount as a number 8 uh, with conte mm-hmm. uh, for now as the holding midfielder and he's he's known to make those runs from deep and getting into goal scoring positions so I, i i think that is his best position not not in a 4231 but a 4433 as a as a number 8 i think that is his best position and yeah so i, mm-hmm. I, I like it would be very interesting to see you know how because there are so many attacking options at lampard's disposal i'm i'm really looking forward to see what his first choice 11 would be once everyone is fit and available so my thought is that we would see less and less of tammy abram even though he has been absolutely brilliant uh, this season averaging a goal contribution what every 40 minutes that's that's insane but uh, i i i feel for him because i don't see him in the best chelsea 11 because pulisic gives a different threat altogether ziyech gives a different threat altogether werner's bursting yeah. runs again so they, these are all different types of threats in attack yeah so it, it it's a it's a very good time to <laughs> be a chelsea fan right now not to gloat too much i know i know the the prowess of oil money man let me let me tell you mm at least you have enough cash yeah all right uh, thanks manan thanks for your thoughts uh, cheers we'll see you soon all right uh, moving on to spurs whose victory propelled them to the top of the table for roughly about 127 minutes but uh, jose mourinho seems to be creating quite a bit of a stir with his insta posts 
we have shine joining us to discuss more on this welcome shine hi kv thank you so much come at the moment come at the man uh kane saves the blushes but you know spurs seem to lack the creativity and it was not just evident in this game but the last game as well um uh, where where do you see spurs going from this in this particular uh, bit and do you see dele uh, you know sort of becoming in f- and sort of be a game changer in such situations going forward um I, i'm surprised that you call this a lack of uh, creativity uh, kv because i think uh, you know these kind of games especially the last three where they won 1-0 against burnley to <clears> to <throat> one yeah. against brighton and now this one i think these are the games uh, that typically define a season for any team aspiring to uh, challenge for the title and uh, yeah. if if i can point out i think the game actually turned on its head after uh, around 70 odd minutes when uh, lo celso and then vinicius yeah. uh, came onto the pitch uh, before that i think you know even though mathias pereira their star midfielder wasn't uh, there on the pitch they were under a lot of uh, pressure uh, spurs uh, with with the uh, whatever uh, you know west brom were playing uh, so uh, you know considering that and then the game changed because of the two substitutions which were the you know attacking uh, midfielder you can say so i think uh, mourinho has quite a bit at his disposal considering that uh, there was no lamela and bergwin in the squad so you you add them into the forwards of the attacking midfielders and there's a lot of creativity that i see uh, on on the pitch and in the squad that mourinho has but uh, mm-hmm. i think as you said and this has been uh, a problem with uh, you know spurs the dependency on uh, harry kane which i don't think will go away uh, very soon so when you say saving yeah. the blushes yes uh, but that could have been any other player considering uh, you know han min song and other players have also uh, chipped in but uh, mm-hmm. i i really don't see this as a creative uh, block or something but rather i would want to say the credit to uh, you know how mourinho instills that uh, sense of belief in the team and that mental uh, attitude that you know we can win the game till the very last minute and Uh, the never say die attitude this yeah. is clearly you know mourinho's fingerprints on the entire strategy and the spurs team which we can clearly see with each passing day so i i wouldn't want to put too much into that uh, but uh, uh, clearly good signs i would rather say for spurs in this uh, season true uh, interesting you said that because you know we've been crying out for games like these or wins like these in last season or under mauricio pochettino um you know it, it football is really baffling you know you cannot really explain how performances against newcastle and uh, you know uh, west ham sort of got us only one point but you know performances like these against brighton and uh, west brom are getting us three points so it's interesting but yeah as you rightly said i think mourinho's uh, authority is clearly evident in these games and it's a good thing because uh these are the games that spurs have consistently lost uh you know as you can say bottled it i think that that it's it, it's it's one good interesting piece that is coming out of the last few games so and, and uh, i think what i sorry what i just uh, i think to add on to that uh, mental uh, fortitude that uh, you know uh, marino is instilling 
I, I read somewhere that they, the players and the manager and the backroom staff, they actually, uh, you know, got back together and they sort of cried, you know, as this, as they say after that uh, West Ham uh, three-all uh, draw. So you know, when when that happens, you the the team when they you know on almost till 80 minutes on the verge of winning a game, and then you give away uh, three goals and you lose two points. And in the manager, rather than blasting the players, which you know Mourinho uh, can do, but rather if you if you take the pain uh, of that uh, draw and if you learn from it, which I think Mourinho has pointed out over the press conferences and with the uh, commentators and all, that if you learn from it and if you take those uh, lessons and then you implement it, with, I mean, it can be a one nil win, it can be a two one win. But if the result shows in the next two, three games uh, over the course of a season, I think that is where uh, it will make the difference for Spurs at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there were some reports that you know Mourinho gave his famed uh, you know silent treatment after the defeat after the draw against West Ham, uh, which sort of you know changed the mood around the dressing room. Um, but China, I mean, coming back to this one point, uh, you know. Have Spurs finally learned how to pick points the hard way or the ugly way, you would call it? I, I would say so. I would definitely say so. Because if you, uh, I mean, look at the games, right? The uh, Burnley one, then the Brighton one and this one. And I think we discussed this also. Going to Turf Moor, uh, getting uh, a win is pretty difficult for any team. Um, not not only specifying on Spurs, but uh, I mean, Liverpool have said this. City have said this previously. It, it's It's a tough ground to... Uh, get away with uh, uh, with those three points. So, uh, yeah. you know, Mourinho, uh, it's it's often said that he's someone who is absolutely focused on the result of the game. He's someone, I think, you can, if you tell him that, you know, let's take 1-0 win for the rest of the season and he will be absolutely glad. I mean, with him, I mean, someone like a Pep or a Guardiola, uh, uh, sorry, or Klopp or, uh, you know, Ole, they might all look for beautifying the game and go for a you know three three nil two nil or some some sort of uh, uh, you know those kind of score lines and playing the game a little beautifully. But I think Mourinho is a very realist at the end of the day uh, for him, and this has gone against him from time to time. But he doesn't care a damn. I mean, as long as I win the match or my team gets those three points and it reflects in an European Cup or a, a domestic cup or a Premier League. Uh, he he doesn't give a damn. So for him, getting those bad draws, I think, is much more important than getting those flattery three three nil or four one wins. So I think Spurs are, uh, I think they're just seeing that thing. As I said, the um, Mourinho effect, and I think uh, they would be happy to continue like this uh, down the line, uh, considering that we have uh, the winter break coming up, and we're just maybe. What seven eight games into the season, there is still a long way to go. So uh, I, th- I think Spurs and uh, Mourinho will take it any day—a dogged, uh, fighting win at the end of those ninety minutes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Shine. Uh, by the way, I think Manan would be pissed for leaving out Frank Lampard in that host of managerial names that you had taken. Uh, but uh, okay, thanks for your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, KB. All right. Um, next up, we have the match, the most awaited match from the weekend, uh, the stalemate uh, at Etihad, and we have Naveen and Obro to discuss this. Welcome, boys. Hey, hi, hi, Kevin. Um, so Obro, uh, coming to you first. Uh, 
you know what did you make of the fab 4 uh, in what seemed like a 4231 setup you know it i i because we had these discussions you know it's either going to be jota or either going to be fumino but you know klopp went for uh, uh, you know started both of them uh, what did you sense you know do you do you see them both playing together yeah so yeah i think klopp is trying out new formations as well and also the form that jota is in right you yeah. can't drop him right so i think he went went with his best players and also i think uh, given all the injuries and everything and uh, he's he's kind of experimenting with formations because with the 433 we are very very dependent on the yeah. two full backs right uh, on trent and on robertson and we have been you know uh, getting stifled because of that as well right so team who sits deep like that is becoming very uh, predictable and was getting very difficult to you know mm-hmm. break down teams with that so i think uh, klopp is uh, trying out new formations and also given uh, i think he is trying to give firmino a little bit of yeah. different role take the pressure off him right i think he is under tremendous right, pressure right. to perform uh, you know uh, to the expected levels so i think it's kind of giving firmino a little bit of uh, you know room uh, to play in the midfield to to be more you know take the goal scoring right. burden away from yeah. him i mean basically i think that's what he is trying and with this with uh, with more like a 424 formation or even with a 4231 yeah. formation i think it it also gives a chance for the more creative midfielders like a uh, like a seven tiago kamsin or even this formation suits mm-hmm. uh, the shakiri as well right and even our uh, uh, it, it, it it i think gives the team more flexibility gives them much more uh, other options to you know explore or break down teams so i think mm-hmm. that's what he is trying out uh, also given the situation given the season that we are in uh, with the injuries and all that is piling up i think uh, it's more i mean it's not the luxury uh, of you know having a lot of players and we can pick and choose from them i think it's it's more who is available yeah. who is fit to go i think it's it's picking a team yeah. based on that right um, now so if klopp continues to i mean i it's a tremendous thing and i uh, admire klopp for doing this when your player one of one of the underrated player is under fire he's sort of mixing and matching those form, uh, formations to try and sort of bring him into the team and uh, because i think fominio is under tremendous pressure you know i was just looking at a stat and that it really didn't sit well for someone who's playing for a top team you know uh, it says that there were no chances created in the last four games um and there were no shots on target uh, for the last five games so i mean uh, that's not something that uh, he would want uh, to hear time and time again um so considering this uh, do you do you do you see klopp continue to go to uh, a false nine approach because i think there is no out and out striker uh, to lead this team and obviously we, uh, liverpool the way they are set up they don't need it but will klopp continue to go for a false nine yeah so it will depend right so i think uh, after the international break i i am hoping we will have uh, uh, the three midfielders back right uh, the tiago will be back i think kita will also be back i am not very sure about uh, fabinho when mm-hmm. what is the timeline with him so i think once tiago comes in right so it will be interesting to see whether uh, tiago slots into that position or whether fabinho still continues to play in that position yeah. uh but with this formation i think sala becomes the out and out striker here when when whenever we are playing a 4-2-4 mm. kind of a formation and that's what we saw last time with uh, jota coming on the right wing 
right? I mean, Jota is again someone who's very versatile who can play all the three positions in the front, yeah. right? So it was lucky, lucky to have him and and have those versatile players. So uh, I am uh, not sure. I mean, if Firmino really have to you know uh, produce and you know get his form back, otherwise uh, you know it's very difficult to see him continue. Uh, uh, you know, once uh, yeah, all the other yeah. players are back, right? Especially at Thiago Arakita is back, uh, so it will be difficult. Uh, it will be a difficult choice for yeah. Klopp then, right? So you know, how do we accommodate mm-hmm. Firmino? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Interesting that. Okay. Uh, thanks, Abro. We'll come back to you in a bit. Okay. We'll go to Naveen. Um, you know, Naveen. Uh, obviously, the f- first things first. Uh, a penalty miss from De Bruyne, which is sort of, you know, it's not something that we'll get to see often, probably never again. But uh, you can you cannot uh, stop thinking about how costly can that penalty miss uh, be for City. Um, but, you know, do you think it was a fair call in the first place by uh, Craig Pawson? Yeah, so currently the kind of decisions which are given for penalties, be the hand or even the touch by an opponent... I think mm-hmm. it was fair. Uh, even if that is the case, the decision which went against City, where uh, Walker clipped Mane, even that can be debated. He went down too easily. Yeah. But that is Correct. how it is nowadays, especially in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really can't have any, uh, you know, uh, regrets or uh, doubts about that rather. So mm-hmm. it is what it is nowadays in the Premier League. And regarding yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, so I'm not sure if De Bruyne takes penalties for Belgium, but mm-hmm. it is only recently that he has started taking penalties for City. I think yeah. this was his either third or fourth penalty, if I'm not wrong. Mm. So, I don't know. I really did not expect him to have a 100% record because it's been very recently that he has started taking penalties for City. So, yeah, but... Of course, in the context of the game, if uh, that would have gone in, probably we would have set back a bit more. And uh, maybe we definitely uh, could have won the game. So, sure. Mm -hmm. And especially at home, it would have been great to get all the three points. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. And, I mean, it just proves he's human too. So. (laughs) True, true. Yeah, you know, but you but you you go back and think, right? You uh, you know, if if uh, that did go in, and then um, you know, the gap to Liverpool would have been down to two points with the game in hand. So that probably you know, coming back from an international break, it it, it would place uh, Pep's team, you know, up for a a real challenge with Liverpool in terms of uh, the standings. Correct. Uh, not only that, rather, in fact, I kind of uh, view the miss uh, even Jesus made. Because, I mean, as yeah, a striker, yeah. we expect uh, the number nines to finish those kind of headers. But sure. Uh, so, yeah, it would have been great, but can't do much about it right now. Hopefully, it does not, you know, uh, dwell on his mind a lot and he's able to take better penalties next time. Yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned, uh, I mean, uh, Jesus' chance. But I think he, his first touch for the goal was exquisite. I mean, uh, yes. I think that that's the Brazilian magic that people want to see. Uh, you know, obviously people start comparing him and you know uh, put pressure on him, saying whether whether can he replace uh, Aguero as a long time striker target. But you know, I think 
those are the flashes of magic yes, that uh, he's known for you know yeah it he can go hot and cold uh, in and out of the game but I, i i think performances like that or you know instances like that sort of uh, retain the faith in the young lad Correct. what do you think what do you think on that yeah and especially uh, since the start of uh, i mean since the play resumed post lockdown uh, he has been really excellent mm-hmm. i mean even off the ball as well as definitely on the ball he yeah. has been consistently scoring as well as uh, pressing a lot and his work rate has been really mm-hmm. excellent i mean even though yeah. aguro has been missing for most of the time and he was missing too but considering mm-hmm. if you compare sure aguro is uh, way more older to him but post injury i mean hmm. jesus returned to kind of returned to form way uh, quicker than aguero if you just yeah, compare the right. injury layoffs for both of them so definitely uh, you know it develops a lot of faith and hopefully he can continue mhm okay yeah makes sense yeah. um thanks navin uh, we'll come back to you in a bit So, Abro, coming back to you uh, to discuss something all pool fans and fantasy managers' worst nightmare at this moment. Uh, you know, we understand Matip was back just when things were about to, you know, sort of fall in place. Uh, Trent comes off injured in the second half. Uh, although I have to say, uh, James Milner was uh, surprisingly good, uh, you know, as a backup. But uh, do you do you do you see this as a uh, you know season-defining moment? especially with liverpool sort of gaining a five point lead from city although they have a game in hand yeah so i mean this season we are having rotten yeah. luck with the defenders right so most of the time 50% of our first line defense yeah. is out right so bbd uh, is out for the season mostly i mean trend uh, what we heard it yeah. it's not a long term or mostly uh, a month or yeah. so uh, but with the recoveries you never know right but yes i mean uh, i mean to be honest uh, i am not very sure how many fantasy managers did have trent in their <laughs> in their in their lineups because uh, this season uh, he has uh, not been at his best to be honest i mean mm. obviously he has had his moments but uh, not the consistent uh, run yeah. that he had last season right uh, yeah, I, uh, in terms of creating uh, i i i don't think he has been at the even at the at the top 5 of 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 the full batch this season right i mean there there has been others who who have been making quite a you know bit of uh, noise so i am uh, i am not sure uh, from that perspective but obviously for us trend is is a first team player right so whenever he is available his name goes down is one of the yeah. first names who goes down True. on the on the list on the team sheet right so miller uh, yeah definitely he is an experienced candidate right yeah. so we have nico williams as well on that on that position so you know we are uh, uh, relatively well stocked uh, upon that on that position mm-hmm. but uh, so uh, unfortunately for miller while while he is very good coming at a 60th minute or so seeing the game yeah. out with his experience i am not sure uh, how good he will be from a, for, from a starting position right because he is is definitely not a not uh, as creative as uh, a trend definitely and i think not even as nico williams right, who are more of an advanced uh, uh, full back right more a modern day full back who's more attacking yeah. more creative sense but definitely from a defensive aspect and from a from an experience aspect to see the game 
you know, could see the game out and all of that. So yeah. Milner will come in there. It'll be interesting to see next match uh, whether Klopp goes for Trent because I have not seen him come in uh, this season replacing Trent. Right? It's, it has yeah. been Milner who has been coming in. Right? So I don't know what uh, whether you know uh, his form as Dr. Klopp uh, is not having that much of confidence on him uh, right now at this moment. It'll be interesting to see next match uh, who who will line up there right from the start whether it'll be Milner or whether it'll be right. uh, Neko Williams. Yeah. All right, uh, thanks, Abro, for that. All right, uh, bringing in Naveen again. Uh, Naveen, so you know, it's just a personal observation from me that you know uh, the midfield combination of Rodri and Gundogan. Uh, in, in, in the game, uh, they, it looked devoid of pace and, you know, they were sort of vulnerable against a pacey front four of uh, Liverpool. Uh, you know, with defence somewhat stabilised, right, I think this could be an area of concern now for City because I think uh, if at all uh, there are teams that are, you know, sort of attacking on the counter, hmm. you know, this midfield looks a bit lightweight. What are your thoughts on that? So, even in the game, at times, what I saw was Gundogan was kind of lost. Neither was he tracking mm-hmm. someone, uh, neither was he marking someone as such. And he was yeah. kind of strolling a bit when others were moving far ahead. So, mm. that is definitely an area of concern. And uh, regarding Rodri, I think I had mentioned this before too that he is decent with as far as the passes are concerned or creating some nice balls are concerned. But uh, mm-hmm. sensing dangers, he still has to work on that. Right. I mean, you could just compare the how often Fernandinho would get yellow cards and how often exactly. Rodri gets, yeah. considering both are you know, defensive, centrally defensive midfielders. So, that yeah. shows that he, uh, he kind of uh, does not commit too often and kind of maybe stays safe intentionally or unintentionally, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. as far as stopping the dangers is concerned, yes, definitely that's an area which we need to work on. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, probably with Fernandinho, uh, he alone would kind of be sufficient at times. And mm. Gundogan could play far more ahead if he would be there. But uh, with Rodri, he right. often needs either some uh, fullbacks to help him or another central yeah. defensive midfielder. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, interesting you mentioned that because I think Fernandinho sorts of, you know, gives defence that uh, solidarity, right? Um, yeah. Wherein the fullbacks can go and support. Because in this setup, you you see that, you know, uh, the fullbacks consciously or unconsciously, you know, they're not uh, driving ahead as much as, uh, you know, what Pep would uh, love. But, uh, yes, true. Yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, maybe a, a different combination would sort of, uh, would, would probably, uh, is something that I guess is running in Pep's mind. So, yeah. Correct. And probably Pep and the staff, they have identified these shortcomings. And accordingly, you know, as you said, the fullbacks are not going far ahead. Um. This is a common question to both of you, uh, but I would like Obro to take this first. Um, so obviously, Liverpool and Man City are the absolute favourites to win the league at this moment. Uh, but what is that one factor that will differentiate both the teams according to you, Obro? Uh, is it? Are we still the favourites? <laughs> the two only favourites with Chelsea and Spurs? Oh, definitely. I mean, that's still early, man. Come on. <laughs> You, you've seen you've seen what happened with Everton, right? Yeah. 
So no, no, I, I, I am. I will be really surprised if Mourinho doesn't push, uh, give, give a push for the title. This is, I think this will be one of the best chances that uh, Spurs will have. I mean, yeah. of course, I mean uh, at least, at least till now, right? So uh, with with Mourinho being there, and I think he he is happy with his players and how the team is performing. Yeah. But yeah, coming to coming to uh, Liverpool, I think uh, one of the major factors. Uh, defining will be obviously the defense. How will the defense cope up? And yeah. especially being, uh, you know, we are too dependent now on Matip and Joe Gomez, who also are quite injury prone, right? Yeah. So BBD, uh, you know, before this, uh, before before this injury, I think he played almost a hundred uh, continuous Premier League games for Liverpool. Yeah. So you know that consistency is uh, is is very rare to replace, right? True. So, uh, what will define the season for us is the is the fitness issues for the two prime main defenders for Matip and Gomez. I think if they are able to survive the season, mm-hmm. I think then we should be okay, right? And even for Allison also, right? I mean, we we know how much a difference he brings in, right? Yeah. So even with even with Go, Joe Gomez and Joel Matip, if if there's a Allison behind them or an Adrian behind them, it makes a whole lot of difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think I think this will kind of uh, define the season for us mm-hmm. because going forward, I think uh, you know I think we we will be able to uh, manage uh, you know I think we will be we are good enough to get the goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and even our midfield is kind of well stocked up. Yeah. So I think uh, what will define the season for us is uh, how good uh, the defense will be with, in the absence of Mbidi. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting and. Yeah, I think it's to the point, Pablo. Naveen, uh, bringing in you uh, to answer this question, what do you think is the one factor that will uh, differentiate both the teams? Okay, so if I have to compare just Liverpool and City, I think the fact that mm-hmm. most of our key players have returned from injuries and our defence has stabilised, mm-hmm. kind of, that is what is going yeah. to be the difference between the two teams. But if I am to, you know, just consider all other teams in the Premier League, I think as the time passes and the season progresses, I expect more and more teams to be kind of more defensive, uh, sit back a bit more mm-hmm. because of, especially the top teams, uh, because of the number of matches all the players are going yeah. to play. So in that case, uh, mm-hmm. we need the goal scorers to shine, which is not exactly happening right. in City right now. So that is an area of concern for sure. Thanks, Naveen and Obro, for joining and uh, giving us your thoughts. All right. Um, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, we head into the international break this week uh, with UEFA Nations League and World Cup qualifying matches scheduled to take place, much to the dismay of uh, the football fans across the world. Um, PL teams will be looking forward to gain the momentum uh, with the hope that none of the star players you know, get injured as the PL action returns next weekend. With uh, Chelsea travelling up north to face Newcastle, um, Liverpool host Leicester and can go uh, top of the table You know, if Spurs sort of lose to uh, Man City, which is inevitable, I guess. Um, then United hope to secure the first win, uh, first home win rather, you know, uh, this season in the Premier League against West Bromwich Albion. Uh, and Arsenal face a stern test as they face uh, Leeds United at Ellen Road. Thanks for tuning in. Take care and stay safe.
Please follow us on our Twitter and Instagram handle, The Six Yards Pod, for more updates.